Come on, talk back to me. How you doing today? You glad to be in God's house? If you're joining us online, I'd like to welcome you to Hope Point. Shout out to Evan and Roanoke. Uh, I am thrilled uh, what God's doing in our church. And uh, it, we get an amazing opportunity to serve our community this Tuesday. And um, if, you're a, if you're a leader, obviously it's We Show Up Commitment Sunday. Don't forget about that. Uh, our church will find out more about that next week. But just want to encourage you, God's doing good things. Come on, say yes. God's doing good things. Uh, if, if you're new to church, when we say amen, it just means I agree. So let it be. I'm excited because we're in a new series, and um, I think God's going to do some awesome things to it. I probably feel that way about every series, but that's because it's God's Word, and I think He always does great things through His Word. So to that end, um, we're going to pray, and we're going to get into it. You ready? Eight of you. Good. You ready? Come on. Come on. Father God, in this place, we honor you. Holy Spirit, I just acknowledge you. Acknowledge you're here. Acknowledge your presence. Father, take the word and make it life to us. It's already life. But as your Holy Spirit applies it to our lives, I pray that it would produce fruit that would change us from the inside out, make us more like you. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. And God, you take us from glory to glory. The best is yet to come. You'll see greater things than these. Jesus said, and so we just embrace that today. We get that in our spirit today. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, there it is, amen. Come on. Today I want to talk with you. Uh, by the way, I didn't know what happened up in here, but it sounded like you guys were having a party, man. It sounded like God was up in this place today, so that's awesome. By the way, he's still here, so if he's in the room, he can do anything. You with me? Come on. Uh, I don't know what you walked in with, but you can walk out with something better. Right? Right? Just get right into that. So um, we're, we're starting a new series called Moments, and uh, this message is called Make Moments Milestones. Everybody say moments. moments. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say moments. moments. Come on, let me know you're alive. Say milestones. milestones. Come on, milestone, moments and milestones. I want to talk with you uh, over the next, uh, well, it's going to be a while, uh, about um, all kinds of moments, about moments with Jesus, which are moments of radical change. Uh, I don't know if you watch sports, but sometimes they, they have mic'd up moments where they mic up players. You know, sometimes you hear some stuff that mamas don't want to hear. But, um, you know, mic'd up moments are all about the conversations you have in your head that only God knows in your heart. And, and, and there, there's, there's a power that can be released when we get the mic'd up moment right. Um, miracle moments, moments where we get to partner with God, powerful moments where, where we just get to participate with him. Uh, middle moments, which are ones that personally I don't like. They're, they're moments where God's watching our faithfulness in the middle, and we're not seeing him do something yet, but he's watching us do something. You know what I mean? Just being faithful to do what we know to do. Then there's milestone moments where in a moment of change, God shows up in big ways. And so when I talk about moments, I want to define them for you. And this is uh, from, from Webster's. Uh, it, a moment is an abbreviation of momentum, right? Latin momentum, uh, a force of speed or motion, a force of speed or motion. So the basic idea of a moment deals with movement. It deals with movement. So, so you can't have, uh, by its definition, a moment without movement. 
if, if, if you know what I mean, without, without emotion, with importance. So I think a lot of times if, if, if we apply that definition, I, I just want you to think about this concept with me for a minute, that, that if you don't know how to directionally harness and sustain momentum, then you won't fully benefit from the moment and you'll get stuck, right? If I don't know how to, how to, how to get God to point me in the right direction and sustain and harness that, that movement that that moment created, I can get stuck on the road. And so, so I wanna, want that to be a, an important thought in our head today because a moment also deals with uh, importance or influence of effect. It, this definition I love, a turning effect. A turning, a moment is a turning effect produced by a force acting at a distance on an object. Love it, that, that God is changing directory, he's changing direction in a moment, that there's an intentionality to it all, and he's applying force to it. So it's a moment where God wants to move you and I, and I in a way that will forever change our lives, that a moment that demands a response or an action, a moment that requires a step up or sit down, right? A moment that can't be left alone, it demands a response. When I think of those moments, I think of Noah building an ark, right? I think of Abraham, Isaac, and a ram in the thicket kind of moment. I think of Moses going back to Egypt to lead God's people out of slavery kind of moment. I think of Joseph and Potiphar's house fleeing from temptation kind of moment. I think of Ruth and Naomi kind of moment. Far be it from me if anything separates me from you. Where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Your land will be my land. There I will live there while I will die and, and be buried. Are you with me? Those kind of moments. A Joshua and Caleb seeing the promised land kind of moment. A David and Goliath moment. There's all kinds of moments but you got to make moments milestones. Make moments milestones. Milestones are what the Romans would set up. It was a stone that would be uh, on a mile. Um, uh, Earth shattering, I know. But it really means a significant point of development, an important point in process of your development, a measurement of distance that you've traveled and a measure of distance still to travel. Setting the table, setting it, right? A moment's often treated by itself in our culture. It can be a kairos moment, a moment of divine change is what that word means. Uh, I think moments are often like lily pads, though. As a pastor, as I've looked at life, I just see that oftentimes they're like lily pads, that you take steps, moments, moments, moments to get from one point to another. If you've ever been to Maymont in the Japanese gardens. You know, we used to, uh, I used to take my kids there when I could carry Colin. Um, now he can carry me, but we would go across the lily pads. They may get real nervous because the water's dirty. Koi fish are all in there and, and you know, she worried we'd fall in, but, but I just kind of hop across them with Colin when he was little or Bella. And now, now I took him back down there the other day. They didn't know what I was going to do, but I'm like, I need you. And I think a lot of times, right, I need you. I think a lot of times, we get stuck on one of those. It's a moment. It's a great moment. It's a big moment. Earth-shattering. Life-defining. God moment. Woo! But we don't get to the other side. The moment was always meant to take you somewhere. It wasn't meant to camp out on and just celebrate. The moment was to get you from one side to the next. And so I was on one side, they were going towards the next, but they camped out. Colin's doing something weird. I don't know what he's quite, he's, uh, yeah. 
Is, there, yeah, there he is. Good grief. So he's in that, and I think a lot of times we just, we just stay in it. We stay in it, and God didn't call us to stay there. Most people, just, just if you think about it, holidays are coming up. Some of you might travel. You might go someplace, you know, for go home, see family, whatever. Uh, when, when, when you do, nobody's praised for the moment that they hopped in the car and turned it on. And said, hey, you know, we had 200 miles to go. We made it 100. We're not going to see it for Christmas. But it was, it, was, it, was a long, it was a long journey, man. It was just, just, just a lot of time, you know. I mean, but, but we did okay, right? No. When you get to the destination, there's lots of hugs. There's lots of celebration. Lots of smiles. Lot, lots of, you know, uh, lot, lots, of, lots of Christmas, right? But, but, but not when you're in the car. Not in that moment. No. There was something that was supposed to happen. Some of you might be running the races coming up. You know, love race season, love that, energized and excited about it. You, 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 don't, get the, you don't get the sticker that says, ah, 10K, made it six. <laughs> Put that on the back of the car. 10K, almost made it. Now, the journey is supposed to be appreciated and learned from, but the destination is what you celebrate. The destination is where God always intended you to get, right? Now, now you, can't, you can't discount the journey, but, but, but it's not just the journey, it's the destination, right? See, Paul wrote it, wrote it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. He said, don't you know, all my runners out there, that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Oh, come on. Wake up. I said we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Nobody worried about eternity here? Are there any old people in this church? Come on. Come on. We're knocking on heaven's door here, right? Here we go. Like, we get a crown that lasts forever. It doesn't fade. We don't want to trade it in. We don't want a new model. It doesn't rust. It, it lasts forever. So he says, run in such a way as to get the prize. I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I don't fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body, making my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself might not be disqualified from the prize. Are you with me? And I was teaching Bella to run because she's on her high school track team and, and Bella's, Bella's newer. And I'm like, Bella, you got to put your arms in, man. You got you to gotta be efficient in your movement. You got to do this, do that. Bella looking at me, she's like, Dad, you're killing me. I'm like, go run. You ain't seen nothing yet. Right? You run so as to win. You don't, you don't run to go. Almost made it. No. You run to cross strong. Paul writes to Timothy as he's about to leave planet earth. He's going to be martyred for the faith. He says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 8. And the time's come for my departure. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I made it halfway. Timothy. I fought the fight. I went halfway. I kind of did all right. I had a moment with Jesus. No, I finished the race. I kept the faith. 
Now, now, not before, but now there lays in store for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord. The righteous judge will award to me on that day and to all of those who long for his appearing. I love that about Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament and it's not just for him. The crown of righteousness is for all who long for his appearing. Isn't that good? Paul knows it. He says, hey, see, if you, I want to talk to all my charismaniacs out there today. My people, if you only live for moments, then you'll feel like you're dying in the middle. Oh, man, that's so good. If you only live for moments, oh, got my Jesus feels, got my Jesus tingles, got this, got that, got my mountaintop moment. No, 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 no. If you only live for moments, then you're going to die in the middle. You're going to feel like you're dying in the middle. Said another way, if I only look for moments, then I'll feel lost in the middle. Because there's going to be times where the moment was meant to carry you from one place to another. It wasn't meant to meet you in the middle. Now, Jesus never leaves us. He never forsakes us. So if you feel like he went somewhere, he didn't because he's not a man that he should lie. He's true to his word. So... If you're feeling that way, then maybe there's something from that moment that you had with him before that we were supposed to walk out now because it was always about death so that I might live. It was always about surrender. It was always about following, not leading. It was always about working my faith out with fear and trembling. It was always about me applying what I learned. It was all about me taking what he gave me and allowing him to use it in my life in a way that day after day after after day, I go from glory to glory to glory and strength to strength. It was not so that I could have a party, get in a slump, wonder where he was, have my life fall apart, come on back. That's not it. That's not abundant. That's why it's called abundant life, not abundant moment. Are you with me? He writes again, Philippians 3, Paul, great dude, love him. Not that I've already obtained all this or been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on to, to the goal to win the prize. There it is again, prize. For which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The goal is to get to the destination. Enjoy the journey, but don't camp out there, church. The moment isn't the mission. The moment is not the mission. Abraham had a great chance to get stuck on the road. God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees. Moment, big moment. Leave your family, leave everything. Go to the land that I will show you. I will make a nation out of you. All nations will be blessed through you. Count your descendants out, number the stars of the sky. Da, 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 da. Big old moment. Big stinking moment. He goes out, settles in Haran, and God says, this ain't it. Hey, Bubba, you got to keep moving. Haran means a dry, dusty place on the road. A lot of us get stuck on the lily pad. We get stuck on the road, but that's not where God called you. That's a moment. It's not a milestone. There's a journey. There's a journey that God wants to take you on. I want to talk to you today about a tale of two cities, two cities that, that are important for our discussion on this uh, moment versus uh, milestone. Um, 
conversation. These two cities both had moments, but they didn't have milestones because they, they didn't go on the journey with Jesus. One is Capernaum. Capernaum is a place that we hear about only in the Gospels. Capernaum is this amazing city on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee, right in the tribe of Naphtali and Zebulun. They settled there. We know Capernaum was an important garrison outpost. Why? Because there was a centurion that came to Jesus and said, my servant is sick. He was, centurion is over 100. So there was a, there was a Roman outpost there. Uh, he calls Levi, the tax collector, to leave his thieving, to leave his stealing, to leave his tax collecting, and, and, and come and follow Jesus. So we know that big things were happening in this area. It was an important town, but we don't know that much about it outside of the Gospels. We know that Jesus adopted it as his hometown. We know, we know that because in Matthew 9.1, it says Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town, Capernaum. We know that, that, that in Mark 2, it says a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Now, it's interesting because Jesus was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, spent his whole, most, of his, uh, most of his life in Nazareth, all of his family's in Nazareth, all of his family's in this place. But Jesus goes uh, down to Capernaum by the seashore and, um, and, and starts to do some ministry. Now, what's interesting about Capernaum is that when I looked, and I had never seen this before, but when I looked at all the miracles that Jesus did, Capernaum by far outnumbers any other town, any other city, any other place where Jesus does miracles. Jesus does, I would say, that we know of a vast majority of his miracles in Capernaum. If you think about it, the great catch of fish the disciples got that almost sunk the boat, Capernaum. The evil spirit that was cast out, Capernaum. He preaches outside of the city the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that's probably ever been preached, right? On, uh, outside of Capernaum. Peter's mother-in-law was healed. In Capernaum, the centurion's servant was healed. In Capernaum, paralyzed, the paralytic was uh, dug through the roof. They lowered him through the roof, and he was healed. In Capernaum, in Mark chapter 2, the woman with the issue of blood. Man, I love that story. That, that, that woman got healed in Capernaum. Jairus' daughter was healed in Capernaum. Two blind men were healed in Capernaum. A mute demon-possessed man was healed in Capernaum. The 12 apostles were sent out in Capernaum. The man with the deformed hand was healed in Capernaum. Another demon-possessed man was healed. The temple tax that Peter found in the fish's mouth happened in Capernaum. The bread of life discourse happens in Capernaum. Are you getting the point here? Jesus threw it down in Capernaum. He just, he just said, here you go, time to eat. I mean, he did so many things. He even walked on the water on the sea that Capernaum was sat on. Right next to. Are you with me? Jesus, I mean, he was just having himself a day. MVP level status. All-star team in Capernaum. You look at some of the other cities, you get, you, you get some amazing things. But in Capernaum, Jesus is like just making it rain miracles. If you, if, if you needed a miracle, you went to Capernaum. Why do you think the woman with the issue of blood had to press through everybody? Because Jesus was making it rain miracles. Just falling from the sky. So everybody knew if I can get to him, I can get a miracle. And she had to fight to get one. Are you with me? 
Capernaum is this amazing place. The problem with Capernaum, I want you to listen to what Jesus says about this city. He says, Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. He says, what sorrow awaits you? He says, and you people of Capernaum, you will, be, uh, will you be honored in heaven? No, you'll go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. Jesus isn't, there's nothing about Jesus' teaching or discourse that would lead us to believe that he's being hyperbolic or that he's being dramatic or anything else. He is being dead serious. He says, in fact, it would still be here today. What, we talk about Sodom in church? Yes! It would still be here today. He said, I tell you, even it will be even better. Sodom will be better off on judgment day than you. Church, that city was burned to the ground from fire from heaven. And yet Jesus says, it will be more tolerable. It will be better for that city on judgment day than for you. Part of the problem, listen, the law of love and grace that Jesus has, it, it, it's so good. It's the best. You know, one of the things that we can get deceived on if we treat it wrong is that we can be condemned and not even know it. See, in the Old Testament, things just burned up. There was no doubt. In the New Testament, we can walk on acting like everything's okay. Jesus is doing all this stuff, and we can miss him entirely. Hear me. He said, it will be better for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. If all the miracles that I had done for you had been done there, it would still exist. Meaning, they weren't so far away that they would not have repented. A moment doesn't automatically translate into a milestone. You have to make a decision to allow God in that moment to get in the inner parts of you and start messing stuff up. And go, uh, I'm going to move this around. I'm going to move that around. I'm going to change some mindsets. I'm going to change some attitudes. I'm going to change some thoughts. I'm going to change some behavior. I'm going to change some lifestyle. I'm going to jerk some stuff around. Nazareth was even worse. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of, you know, I don't know, you know, some, some cities are like, oh, we have this amazing athlete, this sports player, whatever. Hey, Justin Verlander grew up here. Oh, Russell Wilson, oh, Denny Hamlin, oh, whoever, whoever. We claim them. Nazareth doesn't do that. Nazareth looks at Jesus, who's killing it everywhere. Miracles, signs, wonders, the kingdom of God, everything that they wanted. And Nazareth goes, don't we know that dude? Like he's doing miracles and he's teaching all these things, which the, the Bible and the NIV uses amazing. It's a very misleading word. It doesn't mean what you think it means, but he sa it says they were amazed at his teaching. Um, they start going, isn't the dad Joseph and his mom Mary? Isn't he a carpenter? And his mom Mary, like, don't we know his brothers, James, Joseph? Don't we know his sisters? And the Bible says they took offense at him. Who does he think he is? We know you. We know where you come from. And they took offense at him. 
Because of their lack of honor, the Bible says Jesus could not, hear it, hear it, could not do many miracles there. He who receives a prophet receives a prophet's reward. It's a spiritual principle. Jesus didn't break it. He could not do many miracles there. Not because he didn't have the power, because he limited himself by his word. God is not a man that he should lie. God cannot do everything. He cannot lie. He limited himself. Are you, are you with me? So, so it says, because of their lack of honor, then it, says, then it says, he was amazed at their lack of faith. Hear me. So Nazareth, here's the difference between Capernaum and Nazareth at least. Capernaum was the place because Nazareth wasn't. Nazareth had rejected Jesus. Capernaum had, Capernaum had received him but didn't recognize him. Hear me. Received him, but I don't, know what I, I don't know who I got in my living room. I received him. Nazareth wouldn't let him in the door. Capernaum says, I'll receive you, but I don't recognize you. They received him but didn't repent. Are you following me today? Moment, not, mere, not milestone. I've had a moment with you, Jesus, but it hasn't translated into a, a, into a milestone. There's another city by the name of Jerusalem, right? Capital city. We know it well. They gave Jesus a hard time too. He had a hard time getting a break, Jesus. But he went to all these towns nonetheless. It says sometimes, sometime later, if you know the passage, John chapter 5. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the feasts, right? Feast of the Jews. There was in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, Solomon's colonnade. I don't have time to get into all of it. Five. Five's the number of grace, sheep gate. Elisha built it. Elisha means God restores all the things. There's a man there. He's been crippled for 38 years, sitting on a mat. The Bible says that Jesus saw him and inquired of him, meaning he, Jesus asked around about this man, which I love about Jesus because, because Jesus just didn't know everything. It kind of makes our humanity he connects with us in our humanity. He, God didn't download it into his spirit. He, he, he asked around. He saw the man. The man didn't see him. So Jesus sees, sees this man when he's far off and knows about him, decides to learn about him. And I would say the same for you and me. Jesus sees you when you don't see him. He knows you when you don't know him. And, and he sees this man, and he comes up to the man, and Jesus perceive something. This is where Jesus puts on his spiritual eyes. He, he sees him and he says, do, do you want to get well? Now, most people would be like, duh. But there's a different burden with getting well than there is with being sick. There's a different burden. Now, this man, 38 years in this place, in this condition, he says, well, nobody has any uh, ability. He doesn't know who Jesus is. He says, no, nobody has any ability to help me get in because uh, when I try to get in, everybody else gets in. There's a healing there, but I don't ever get in line to have mine. So I've been here for 38 years. Jesus looks at him, ignores all that rubbish. He doesn't even address that rubbish. Can I just tell you, it ain't like God don't want to listen, but come on, that ain't the point. not the point. He says, Jesus just looks at him. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Get out of here. Move on. Don't make a moment a lifetime, 
make a moment a milestone. Get on a journey, go somewhere, do something. Get up. Now, I don't know about you. First thing I would do after 38 years, if I got up, I'd take a lap. I'd dunk it like LeBron. I would do whatever I could. I would be in it to win it. Jesus doesn't even let him walk. He says, get up, pick up, then walk. Hear hear what I'm saying now. Get up, pick up. He says, I would like for you to pick up the thing that used to carry. I would like for you to carry the thing that used to carry you. I would like for you to pick up the mat of infirmity, the mat of limitation, the mat of not enough, the mat mat of your past, the mat of your present, so that you can walk in to your future. Can I tell you, you will never have power over what you are not willing to leave. Don't be, don't be praying to Jesus, the Lord saved me. No, 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 no. He already did that. He hung on a cross. He rose from the dead. Come on, we got the power in us, right? Hello, are you with me? You can talk to him about it, but at the end of the day, Jesus is empowering you to pick up, get up, pick up, and walk on. You will never have power over what you are unwilling to leave. He had to be willing to leave. So Jesus says, pick it up, get up. Do all the things, and then walk. Then walk. Then move from here to there. Then make this moment a milestone. The guy gets up, starts twirling, starts doing his thing, goes to the temple. The Jews say, who healed you on the Sabbath? That's against the law, which is a whole nother sermon. That's a tough crowd, man. 38 years. This man has a moment. 38 years, it is a moment. It is a moment. It's a life-defining. It is one of those moments. It's a mountain moment. It's a moment. 38 years erased in a minute. And he doesn't know who healed him. Hear me now. He has no clue to be able to tell them who healed him. Him, who changed everything, who made this massive moment with him. He, I don't know about you, if that had been you, if that had been me, I probably would have grabbed onto the cloak and never let go. You did this for me. Who are you? You're getting a Christmas card. Everybody in your family's getting a Christmas card. You're getting a Harry and David basket. You're getting everything. You know what I mean? You're getting the, pe- the pears and the pe- you're getting it all. He has no clue. You know why? Because he wanted to be healed, but Jesus wanted him free. There's a difference. So he's dancing around. Jesus finds him again. Hear me. How amazing is that? Jesus searches the man who got healed didn't say thank you didn't say Bob didn't say anything just took off he looks for him again and you know what he says to him he says see the man was crippled but he was really spiritually blind which is why Jesus told him to see he said see stop sinning or something worse may happen to you implicating that his lifestyle had opened him up to something that was evil that had afflicted him and caused his condition. See, here's, here's something that you and I need to be very, very aware of, and that's this. 
Don't confuse his compassion with his consent. Don't confuse his compassion with his consent. If you confuse his compassion with his consent, then you'll miss how big his heart is for you. You'll miss how wide and how deep his love is for you. You'll miss his will for your life. He doesn't just want us around him, church. He wants us to be like him. We won't appreciate his holiness. We won't pursue his righteousness. We'll shortchange his compassion in our lives. His compassion wasn't just designed for us to have a moment. His compassion was there to move that man from a moment into a milestone, into a journey, into a a relationship, into an abundant life with a Savior who could do everything for him, not just heal him, but get him free. If you confuse compassion for consent, This man could have said, well, Jesus healed me. He's obviously okay with my lifestyle. Jesus healed me. It's obviously, even if he doesn't like it, he tolerates it. No, no, no. Jesus healed him and then found that man again while he was in church. He was at the temple telling everybody about somebody that had healed him, but he didn't know who. And he said, hey. That wasn't the point of the healing. The point of the healing was not just so you could tell somebody you got healed and so you could dance around. The point of the healing was so you could get set free, man. Now, look, now the guy, the guy, (laughs) the guy, now the guy knows his name. Now the guy's telling everybody about Jesus and what Jesus did and sharing Jesus with everybody. Can I just tell you, that's the goal. A transformed life. A beautiful, abundant life. Not moments, life. Not a collection of moments, milestones along the way where you could say, he healed me, he touched me, he saved me, he was faithful to me. I walked it out. He healed my finances. He healed my marriage. He healed my relationships. He healed my mind. He healed my soul. He healed my spirit. He healed my body. He did all of that. I got free. I got delivered. I got abundant and eternal life. I didn't just have a moment with him and not even know his name. I'd rather have his ministry than I would his moment. I'd rather Jesus keep saying, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Keep doing it day after day after day than have this big moment. Because the reality is he always was here to change us. Do you need another encounter with Jesus today? That man did. One won't enough. Jesus had to find him again and say, hey, see, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We can't just accept his help and not his lordship. We can't look for his hand and not his heart. We can't receive his blessing and not his burden. But his burden, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Can I just encourage you today? Have a moment that turns into a milestone. Would you bow your heads with me today? I'd like to give people, God's doing something in this house. We've had so many people come to Christ today. I would like to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. Not, 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 not just a, hey, how are you? Have a moment, but a milestone where you take this and it propels you, turns you in a different direction into something new. 
We're gonna say a prayer together at the end of it. It's a prayer of surrender, a prayer of confession, a prayer of, of, of absolute reliance on God. At the end of it, I ask you to raise your hand. We're gonna celebrate with you for making this decision, but, but make this moment a milestone. Could I just say that? Make it a milestone. Make it something that you remember for the rest of your life because of the journey that it takes you on. Say this prayer with me. Say, dear God, forgive me of my sin. I turn to you and I ask you to wash me clean. Jesus, I give you my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you for paying a price I couldn't, for dying on the cross. When you rose again, and I believe you did, you conquered death and hell. So I receive your grace, abundant eternal life. Thank you for saving me, cleansing me, giving me a new start. Today I make this moment a milestone in my life, in Jesus' name. Amen. You said that prayer, you meant it, raise your hand right now. I want to celebrate with everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Nice and high. Thank you. Come on. Make a moment a milestone, church.